Welcome, friends, to episode number 27 of Whopper Radio. All three of us clown shoes are back in action. We have packed into the circus, and that's where we shall live. This is a show about Star Wars Unlimited, the card game, but you know us, we going deep. We going to dig into the nastiness, and uh, yeah, the whole, the band's back together. So that's where, that's where we stand today. That's right. We missed you last week, uh, Charmer. Whoa, of course, we're gonna speak for yourself. We don't need to start with speak lies. Speak for yourself. What? Oh no, I, 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 we, I missed your your insight and uh, and pithy banter. We've been missing it for twenty seven episodes, actually. The insight part, for sure. Oh <laughs> wow! Wow! I, Listen, there's a reason that Flake I is wearing the hoodie. That one. He's he's embracing his full Sith Lord. Now that I'm back, he says, "All right, I can let's see do that. this. I've got the Force lightning ready to go." I'm a little bit Sith mode this uh, this this week. It's uh, it's been a rough week, so we're we're kind of like Sith lording it up. But yeah. I didn't do my hair. I don't have a hat nearby. Wow. It's cold. So I'm it's it's funny because like I, I will I'll just pull the veil back a little bit here. I have right near me because I live in an old apartment in Toronto and it's not like they, you know, give a crap about tenants or anything here. So the old thing, there's like there's the wind off the lake off Lake Ontario kind of blows through and it kind of mm-hmm. gets through the cracks. So it gets cold in here. So I have a ceramic space heater that just kind of literally points directly at me at all times. But it's kind of loud with the fans, so I have to turn it off when we record. Exa- exactly that. <laughs> oh, uh, I, don't have, I don't have an equivalent for that. Hold on. It just so it's just my, goes my down. There's just a bunch right of people just garage, blowing uh, heat uh, on, on, on Doa's feet. <laughs> what? Yeah, my, <laughs> what my does that office? do? This is my this is my uh, rectangular uh, uh, electronic object that was within reach. So that yeah. was so Flake it and keeps I have me warm because I have to bodies, and and though it has something that warms his heart, that's what it comes down to. Okay, so I don't have. Well, that. I mean, I think uh, I I'm a true uh, Norseman in that uh, not that I fight on volcanoes nude, which is. A super awesome way to end your movie, by the way. Go see the Northman. But uh, that I have kind of an immunity to to cold. I've kind of developed that. You're more. If, of a... I, I was I was worried because I moved back to Minnesota after not living there for twelve years this year, and it's starting to get cold, like legit cold. And yeah, good luck. I'm fine. Good luck. Uh, you're you're not you're more of a you're not a fighter. You're more of a nude negotiator, is what I think. You'd be up there on the, <laughs> the naked dipl- negotiator. Yeah, seeking that sounds like a reality TV show. <laughs> seeking a diplomatic, you know, uh, uh, solution, but in the nude. Like that's how it'd be. I, Meet me at the top of the volcano. No clothes allowed. We will figure this out. My name I is was, my name is Eric. I'll see you there. I was picturing something like, uh, you know, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, but he's <laughs> nude the whole time. And he's he just comes into their restaurant. He's like. No clothes, no secrets. Oh my God! They're we're be, gonna we're gonna fix this. The <laughs> amount of jokes you can say, food related nudity jokes that we're not gonna go. D- Derek, I see you. I acknowledge you. I know you have a lot of puns. We're not going there. <laughs> this is my emergency pack. We're, oh. we're talking about. Uh, it's not actually actually no. talking about being busy. Uh, this is a mystery package that I got from Riot Games today. Oh. I haven't even opened because I've been too busy. So, like, I probably have something cool. That I don't even cool. know about it. Yeah, I, I, right up here with, I don't know if you saw it, Flake, but the Arcane Rising pack we gave out for the Realm Rumble, somebody opened a Cold Foil Storm Striders in it. Get out of that. town. Are you serious? I saw that. They posted it on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. They, the one pack of 
first edition Arcane Rising, like a nine hundred dollar card we gave away. Because I even I retweeted. I was like, I held this in my hands and I didn't even know it. This is literally reminiscent of when I held that alpha pack and it was a cold foil heart in it that the person next to me opened and i was like well that's yep. see i i have always said this i am luck adjacent i am always luck <laughs> adjacent that has always been my story because the one time by the way it's, the 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 streak is over by the way i finally opened a fable what really yes oh, however I mean, it great. was not for me it was for somebody oh. else i opened it out of a pack does that, that count no i don't think so i guess it doesn't right I don't think it, it's not for you. It if it's not for you, it doesn't count. No. You're, it was just somebody else's pack. It wasn't your pack. But behind me, I have. Uh, He's saving it for the show because I just rares. unplugged my earphones, so I can't hear what you guys are saying. Either way, I got a, a care package from. What do we want to say about fake or uh, a fake or Blake? Blake <laughs> I got really it. Quick. I plugged it in right. <laughs> in. The um, I got a care package from the wonderful people at Alpha Alpha Clash. So we're we're all getting oh. goodies. We're all getting fun fun little things. But we should get. To the point of the show because we're just yeah we're gonna discuss strategy and things and whatever <laughs> i i i deleted that line that i usually read at the, this point in the show and i kind of forgot the details of it so we're just gonna we're gonna talk about the game a lot uh in depth you see that's where you're wrong this is why we need the script because what we're gonna okay. talk about is the wampa cave poll of the week well that first <laughs> All right, so the Wampa Cave Pool of the Week. We got there, by the way. Congratulations. I know it's always a scenic route that we take, but this time we... It's the most beautiful. It is. But this one was all just sleeping cows and weird stuff. But the cave pool this week. Well, I was trying to... <laughs> Canada sounds fascinating. It is so bad. The drive from Toronto to Montreal <laughs> is just 350 miles on the same highway, and it's just freaking fields on both sides it is boring oh as hell. so it's like driving oh. through ohio correct or minnesota or yeah. yeah it's the same thing or iowa but yeah. i was trying to make a creature related reference so that i can link it back to the poll which is <laughs> oh the cave poll this week which again appears every sunday ish the ish is very highlighted right now by the way um at wampa radio on twitter you guys can check it out every sunday or monday you can cast your vote this week's poll was what is your favorite star wars creature mount there was the varactyl which you guys might know it's it's a very uh, the name of the creature itself was um i don't say it wasn't immediately known to me i had to relook this up but it is yeah, nobody the, remembered who that what this was yeah, yeah everybody googled it but i guarantee if you googled it and remember you'd be like oh my god yeah it's probably that it's the creature that obi-wan kenobi rides when he confronts grievous and defeats grievous which is such a cool thing that unfortunately I think met a very unfortunate demise. Yeah, yeah, it got blasted and fell like really far. I mean, it fell into water, so it could be alive still, but it's not a main character, so we'll never know. We'll never know. We will never. There's probably like an extended universe story about it, you know. We'll never revisit it. That's basically the end game here. The other one was <laughs> for more recency, the Rancor, because no. that is a mountable. <laughs> creature now it always has been like the the witches of dathomir were uh famous for yeah. riding rancors in the books way back when um boba fett uh infamously destroyed the town that he claimed to protect with a rancor at the end of book of boba fett but they had been ridden before <laughs> i just yeah they had been ridden before but i just i i 
I would have preferred to see Bantha in that slot. Well, personally. trust me, we're getting right. to the part where everybody's mad that we're going to get to that yeah. part because there's no pleasing everybody. Uh, the Tauntaun was another one, which I think is more iconic. Like that is the iconic one. It is. The, is that not the first mounted creature that we ever see in any Star Wars? No, you see, well, the, you see a dooback in the oh, extended the edition. the Banthas, yeah. And in the, uh, and, and the Banthas, you see sand people riding that. Um, you also do see, I believe, a Ronto puppet with a saddle on it. I'm not 100% sure on that. So yeah, there's a lot of Ronto, evidence yeah. of creatures being ridden, although the first time we actually see a creature being ridden is the uh, the uh, sand people riding the Banthas. True. Yep. I mean, the well, special edition does have a dooback. That's, um, that's Jawas too, right? Like, I love a good Jawa. Well, they they ride in the sand crawler. They don't ride on on creatures. Yeah, sometimes they do. They're more civilized. When in in one of the books, I'm like ninety nine percent certain. Oh well, the special edition also has that one scene where they're it's, it's super CG. They're driving into town, and there's some some uh, Jawas riding on a Ronto. That's, yes. that's um, why I was saying like when but, I the Ronto, that's what I thought about. But. It, like special the, edition. That's the one where the swoop comes in. It avoids the Ronto. The Ronto rears, and the Jawa flies off. It's like this little slapstick yeah, wow. comedy act, and it's like it's all right. I get really it. Really enriched my Star Wars experience. Oh, well, that one leads into there's like that heavy lifting droid that then knocks the per, like the little flying probe droid to the ground. Yep, like, like what is too. this violence between these like characters? I don't get it. Anyway, the last Boss one Ice is a wild and crazy place. Damn Ooh, right. It droids is. hitting each other. Ma- People almost running into Rontos. Moss Eisley, scum, uh, a hive of scum and villainy, and apparently like this weird vaudevillian droid comedy act. <laughs> um, Finally, yeah. the Dewback, which, like you said, the Dewback, riding the Dewback was something that was injected in there in, during Special Edition in 1997, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But you, I think we mentioned this early, uh, last week. We talked about the Scout Trooper being something that was more Dewback related, like the 1-4 Vigilance unit that had grit. And you're like, hey, mm. this seems like more of a Ronto thing, uh, sorry, a Dewback thing than it is a speeder thing. So. Yeah, I think yeah. so, too. But what did you vote for Charmer? So I voted for the Dewback because of, of the ones here, um, I don't dislike Tauntaun. Uh, it, it's iconic, and it, I can totally understand why somebody would pick it. Um, but I just, I love the idea of riding what's a, essentially a giant monitor lizard and on like a hot desert planet. I don't know. It just feels like it's correct. It feels like it fits to me. Um, I was definitely not going to vote for Rancor because even if the idea of riding a Rancor seems cool, even if Witches of Dathomir have done it, uh, Book of Boba Fett has now ruined that for me entirely. Veractal, <laughs> um, you know, I, I like it, but perhaps it's just because, like, I love the animated stuff like Clone Wars and Rebels so much. Whenever I think about the Veractal, I also think of um the episode where they're on the snow planet and it's a narglatch which is uh it's it's like a mount that's wolfish but has kind of like this lion's mane that's blue and uh the native people wrote it and i just always thought that one was cool so like i couldn't vote for the veractal i I would say that for the narglatch but this is a very long meandering way to say uh, i voted for the lizard because there was that or the tauntaun were the only acceptable ones in my mind I would, sure. I would tend to, I mean, Dubak, I think out of all of these, seems like the 
not the least appealing for me, frankly. Uh, that's the last one I would vote for, in all honesty. Really? Yeah. It seems like the easiest. I feel like the Dewback would be like the the easiest uh, mount to ride out of these four. Like that's the starter one, where it's not very fast. It's pretty wide. You know, it doesn't seem very aggressive. I feel like that's if you're gonna get like a Star Wars mount for a kid, get him a Dewback. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah. it's that's like, why I love it. It's a space. It's a yeah. space camel, right? Like that's what it is. It's just a space Kinda, camel. Yeah. Um, I went for again. Like I wish I had a dog. I absolutely would love to have a dog. I travel too much to justify having one. I'd feel bad just locking it up all the time or having it be a burden to others. Of these four, the one thing like the Varactyl is like a Komodo dragon with a border collie's brain, and that is precisely hmm. kind of what I want in life. It won't shed. And it just kind of it, it's it's loyal. It can be aggressive. It's clearly agile and smart and and very happy. Like that's kind of what I would want. I would absolutely a hundred percent want a Varactyl. Now I would definitely need a lot of space for it. But yeah, for me the Varactyl is like the easy peasy choice because you can ride it. It 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 it, it looks like it loves you. Like it 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 enjoys your company. It, it liked Obi-Wan, at least. For sure. You but know. who doesn't like Obi-Wan? Yeah. yeah. that's Obi-Wan's probably the most likable Jedi in Star Wars. I mean, Anakin doesn't like him very much. Oh, that's a good poll. The most likable? Oh, yeah. Who's the most likable Jedi? Yeah. I mean, that's such a subjective term, though. But, you know, we're, we do, we need uh, cave pole fodder, so maybe we'll bring that back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need more people to be mad at us. Now, obviously, we missed Bantha on this poll, and we missed... Uh, There's a lot we could put on the poll. There was. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody... Yeah. There's um, the Gungan Mount, too, right? It's, uh... the f There's the Fambas. Uh, is that no, what they're, it's like that's what they're called? Kata, Kata, oh, the Kadus. The Kadus. Yeah, yeah. The Zering oh, also. Yeah. Right, but the, yeah. the Kadus is what the, the Gungan soldiers wrote. The Fambas were those big, like, brontosaurus things that held the mm -hmm. shield generators. There was oh, also... Sure. There was also... The Eopies, which is what oh, yeah. Eopies were like. If you remember in Obi-Wan that when he takes the piece of meat and feeds that creature mm -hmm. from his that that is an Eopie. And he said that's he, a space camel. Yeah, um, I guess that's yeah, a space that is camel. much more space camel. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's the one that that farts at Jar Jar Binks in the prequel. And yes. you're like, what am I doing with my life? Yes. Because he yeah, was just, I that one. he just wanted a brisky morning munching and then he got farted on. But, oh, no. <laughs> um, but beyond that, there was also yeah. the blurgs, which yep. were, were hilarious in terms of a, because it's literally just like, hey, let's take a tadpole and give it teeth and just. It's a head with it. legs. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. And they're like, what do we name this thing? Uh, I don't know. Something like blurg. Oh, you guys something can figure low it effort. out. For yeah. sure. And then they're the, they're all at the boardroom and they're like, so is blurg everyone good for everybody? And they're all like, yep. All right. Early night. Let's go. Uh, test groups have uh, have uh, demonstrated that uh, they will buy the Blurg toy 53% uh, uh, more than the uh, Blung toy. <laughs> the Blung versus the Blurg. Yeah. So here are the results, friends. Uh, at you four... didn't even ask me what I was what yeah, I voted didn't for. Didn't you? I Rude. thought you said I thought you said Dewback. No, I said uh, no, I said he, the Dewback was, was a good choice, but you're saying it's the most child friendly, aka yeah. why I love it. Oh, that doesn't mean it was my choice. Well, right. I, I just Rancors I just said it was a good choice. A rancor is a child-friendly thing. Well, I mean, if you like watching people be eaten, I suppose some kids are into that. But uh, I, I chose the Tauntaun. It is the classic, quintessential Star Wars mount. When I was watching the original trilogy as a child, 
Um, I always felt the most affinity for Hoth because I was growing up in Wisconsin. And so I was like, hey, that looks like outside. And uh, I, 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 know I wanted a Tauntaun to ride. And I was fe- kind of felt bad. It did its job. It was a, it was a noble beast that gave its life in the line of uh, the rebellion and became a sleeping bag for Luke's, Luke Skywalker. And I'm like, what a, what a wonderful, glorious animal that Tauntaun is. So many uses. And uh, they, they do smell bad. Uh, admittedly, on the but inside. Uh, well, no, he said, I thought they smelled bad on the outside, which implies they already smelled bad on the outside, but they're even worse on the inside. So there's a bad smell is the indication that we're given there, I think. But I don't care because it's kind of like a bipedal, rideable uh, snow sheep, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's 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 cool. It's it's neat. The stop motion really works in the old movies, you know, for that. And and uh, they did a great job with the, the puppet they put the actors on, too. So, yeah, Tauntaun's my vote. It's like if you mix an ostrich with a, with a goat. Like, that's what it looks like to me. Like an ostrich yeah, yeah, goat kind that. of thing. Yeah. Um, which, with 43.5%, Tauntaun won the poll. Wow. Uh, so 43.5% of you want to ride a, uh, a snow ostrich. The other 29% want some rancor action. Good luck with that. Mm. Because I think you need to, like, bond with it. You need to, like, connect with it and imprint on it when it's born. So that is a whole process. Um, 15.9% said Dubak. 11.6% don't want a Komodo Dragon Border Collie. Like, what is wrong with everybody? I think that a lot of people just didn't know what a Veracta was. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know until you reminded me. I was like, what's what's that? But Because it's in such a short amount of uh, the the film, too. So it doesn't get a lot of screen time compared to some of the other ones. More than the dewback, I suppose, but um, but yeah, I, w- I had to go look it up too. We could have got Babu Freak riding a porg. That would have been amazing. Why didn't that happen? Everybody the wants porgs to porgs aren't intended to be mounts, right? Oh my god, they're I forgot just, one. They're intended to be eaten. Oh, what? What about? Yeah, I just re- I had an opinion. I wonder if you thought about the exact same one that I did. Is it Rise of Skywalker? No, I was thinking of the one from Ahsoka. Oh, well, those are, yes, but I was thinking, yeah, well, there's the, you're talking about, like, the space whales? Oh, the wolf things. No, the wolf thing. Oh, the wolf thing, the space whales? That, that, like, like, it it follows. You were talking about having a dog companion, and then my mind naturally went to, like, one, it kind of looks wolfish, but also it did the whole, like, follow you like a sad dog thing, and I immediately fell in love with it. You guys are ready for this. Do you not recall that final stand at Exegol where they're like, hey, we should just use like use our oh. EMPs to shut them down and like and, and but they're not mechanical. They're orbacks. They're like horses, right? So they rode those mm-hmm. in some weird type of cavalry charge because yeah, that totally works against guns. And it and that was another. One. There's so many mountable creatures. This could have been like a ten thing poll actually, but uh, again, yeah. we are limited. we're limited by by X or Twitter. I, no Too one bad. calls it X. Nobody I, calls I, it I X. I still call it Twitter. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. kind of like you're taking a stand against Elon Musk, dude. Like if I well, call it Twitter, too bad. It's the best. It's it's the it's the best kind of taking a stand because it's the one that requires zero effort, which is the internet's favorite stand as well. You know, if you can just put <laughs> zero effort into it and say things on social media, that's taking a stand. Hell yeah. It's not taking a stand. I just am too lazy to call it X. So who wants to who wants to do headlines this week? Um, I mean, I I watched the stream. 
And it was I mean, that's, uh, that's the real headline, right? The that was a headline. Yeah, there was a stream with um, some developer insight, uh, mostly mostly highlighting gameplay, highlighting some new cards that we'll go over in a, a moment. Um, but it was two games uh, played between uh, the two uh, Fantasy Flight games developers, Jeremy Zwern and Tyler Perrot. Perrot. I always want to. I always want to put a French be... spin on it at the end. I, I yeah, it, it actually yeah. it might it might be maybe Perot. it's parrot. They should, they pronounce it as parrot. Ask him. It's parrot. Okay. Say, yeah, I've heard them say parrot, and so between that and I always got to be that stuff on Twitter, and I read it as Tyler Parrot. So mm. there you go. Uh, but anyway, they they played a couple of games. They played uh, Vigilance Command. So blue green Chewbacca, who is a Vigilance heroism unit or leader rather, versus uh, Command Aggression Vader. Vader's a villainy unit, in case you're, and he's he's a he's aggression. Um, and Chewbacca won that one. Uh, according to Tyler, it was kind of kind of a janky Vader build. It was kind of a, a you know Vader trooper weenies. It seemed like, and uh, but Chewie beat it. And then the second game was was I think the more interesting one. It was double cunning Boba Fett. So double yellow Boba Fett versus aggression cunning Han Solo. So cunning versus cunning a little bit there. And Boba Fett won that. So Jeremy taking uh, taking both games. <laughs> and uh, he's he's a good card game player. Not not to say yeah. that Tyler isn't. He's a great card game player as well. But it just seems like uh, Jeremy is like the he's he's like the the giant brain. That's it's really just like a huge mind presence that's just inhabiting a body because that's how it moves through this plane and it couldn't do it otherwise. But it's just been built to play card games and no card games. If somebody said to me, stuff. hey, for fantasy flight games across all of their game types, card games, board games, across all of their intellectual properties, give me your most iconic duo. My answer would be Jeremy's Wern and winning. because He just <laughs> keeps doing it. Yeah, but he keeps doing it right into this stream. So it was it was cool. But the coolest part about it, I thought, was that we got a bunch of new cards to talk about, uh, which which was a lot of fun. It's the next thing we're going to talk about. But aside from that, I think it's worth watching if you want to watch uh, how certain card interactions work, if you want to just see some gameplay, um, if you want to hear them talk a little bit about their their deck building philosophy. It's there's some definitely interesting stuff in that stream. Also, you get to see real cards. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, not proxies. That was the the highlight for me. They were like, "Hey, these are the actual real cards." So if you just want to see what real cards look like, then you should watch. Also, uh, they they did a quick talk about why there's no flavor text on cards. So if you want that background, that reasoning, you should check out the stream as well. Better have a damn good reason because flavor text. I feel like this is a really good game for flavor text, but oh, Star Wars, of course. But yeah. Then you got to make room for flavor text. Yeah, know. yeah. I, I like. I you're you're not wrong there. I think that it's tough because then ever then you want it for every card. Then you gotta. Yep. All right. Uh, let's get to the spoilers uh, again. Presented not officially by Swoo DB, but uh, again, we like to give him props because again, the cards came out like a couple hours ago, and they're like, "Hey, here you go. They're all ready to go." So again, these are spoilers as of the 14th of December. 2023 at about 7 15 p.m eastern time anything after this go take a hike that's what that's what we're saying <laughs> or, or wait till next week or wait or yeah, yeah you yeah. i mean yeah. we we'll, provide options we'll the don't, non don't hike too far. Word answer hey <laughs> i'm in my dark mode right now uh which i with i which i wish swoo db would have there we yeah, go there you go uh my understanding don't they have one for like they were testing i don't Did know they? i don't know 
I thought I, I don't remember see one on the site right now. I'm a man of of results, not intentions. So all right, show me go. show me the goods. Only uh, results. Yeah, let's go with the first one. This is a new hero, a vigilance and villainy hero. Double V. Yeah. And it is Aiden Versio. Aiden Versio, the Inferno Squad Commander, with the action of if an enemy unit was defeated this phase, heal one damage from your base. Again, kind of alluding to the fact of blue being restore, like longevity, resilience, um, just staying, staying power, elongating the, the game and keeping your stuff alive. Uh, it does flip with the epic action of six, turning into a 4-4 Imperial Trooper uh shielded that's always nice to see and again when an enemy unit is defeated heal one damage from your base now the, what's fun about this is that this isn't an action this is just an ambient effect so if you're out there mowing stuff down you're getting a lot of that back as uh health so um initial thoughts on Iden versio charmer any thoughts on this one i really like this leader even for the non-unit one uh, granted, it's an action, and you can only do it, you know, once per turn, so it's going to seem really small or benign, but, like, the idea that you're almost always mitigating one health per turn feels very, very strong to me, uh, especially if you're playing Vigilance already. Mm. And then, as you said, once you deploy it, uh, we haven't seen many cards to this effect yet, but if you are running any sort of board sweeper or any effects where you're going to be removing multiple units then deploying her as a leader and then following it up with you know taking out a couple of units and you gain you know two or three health or whatever can be a very stabilizing swing turn so i i am a big big fan of this this leader so much so that it has you know, prior to this, I was pretty confident I was going to build a double Vigilance Heroism control deck as my first deck based on cards revealed so far. Hmm. And I'm now kind of in a 50-50 toss-up between whether it's going to be Heroism or Villainy because of this leader. I think if you want to play, if you want to play a slow, grindy, outlast your opponent's style, like this is going to be the leader for you, right? I mean... Theoretically, you know, if you're running a lot of uh, removal and stuff like that, which we know Vigilance has access to, um, you're just fighting on board. You're probably going to be removing units pretty much every turn. And so if you get hit for two by one of their smaller, more aggressive things and you heal one, suddenly their unit is doing half its damage. Um, you know, you you can probably extend the game quite a bit with this. You can probably take on aggressive decks with this. Um, so yeah, I, this is not my kind of leader. I like to be more aggressive. I like a faster paced game. I like more of a tempo-y game. I think this looks like a very grindy leader and, uh, which is great because there's definitely players out there that really love to play that style. Um, and I think, I think she's going to be very good for that style. Um, but not, not my leader, hashtag not my leader, but, <laughs> but definitely you need something like this in the game. I think she looks great for that slow grindy control kind of style. All right, we got a lot to get through, so yeah, we might on. we might have to wing through some of the lesser appealing ones, such as uh, the next one. Who wants sure. to do the lesser appealing next uh, one? I'll do the next one because I don't think it's lesser appealing. But it's just that the the words to say are far less. Uh, Spec Force Soldier. This is a ground unit that costs one. The aspects are heroism and aggression. It is a 2-2 Rebel Trooper. When played, a unit loses Sentinel for this phase. 
So this is a one cost two two with a sometimes very relevant on play effect. And if you're playing aggressive, then getting rid of Sentinel is a huge, huge effect. This feels very, very good. Um, there's not much else to say because it just does what you want it to do. But if you're playing like a Sabine uh, aggro deck, this will be in your deck 100%. Yeah, I uh, I think this is one of the best commons I've seen out of the set, honestly. It's it's one for a 2-2, two -two, right, which is great stats for the cost. Um, but on top of that, if you don't get to play it in the early game as just an early threat that your opponent needs to deal with, it essentially becomes a one-cost event that removes Sentinel, and you get a 2-2 two -two body along with it. It's kind of how you think of it later in the game. So this is, I think, one of those rare inexpensive cards that is useful at any point in the game um if the sentinel issue presents itself uh so i i think it's a great card like i said i think it's one of the best commons we've seen i like it a lot again thanks to genders gaming for um revealing this one what this card does for me besides yeah it's a, it's a good card but this essentially cements my premonition that uh, aggression heroism is the uh, is the premier low to the ground aggro deck that's what this is it's a one drop two two that negates uh, a potential sentinel so early game it's a two two late game you can break through some of their uh more ugly kind of you know blockades as they've uh, put them up so you don't feel bad drawing this if you're playing like a, a swarmy style trooper deck like a, a tribal uh, of just growing up little dudes and and uh, having just these, like, this sea of weenies uh, that just kind of need to bust through. So that's that's what uh, I think that this is. Because the, well, the one thing that I, need, I think a lot of people need to understand is that this and magic are different in the sense that if you have, like, five 1-1 one, one tokens and your opponent has, like, a 3-3 three, three up, you're probably going to... You could probably attack and still, you know, you'll sacrifice... They'll block one and the rest will punch through. That's not how this works. If you have a big sentinel, you have to go one at a time. You can't circumvent it in any way. So you have to find a way through either sab uh, saboteur or or this card to negate sentinel. And I think it's important. This to me is also a card I think that you might hold on when you're like, okay, I'm going to play it, remove your sentinel, and then kill you. Like that's kind of the way I, I foresee this going. This is this might be a card you even hold on to as like a late game kind of. All right, one one resource. And then let's end the game. Yeah, I think it's it's a great card. It's funny you mentioned Saboteur, uh, because yeah. that uh, that is uh, a big part of the next card we're going to take a look at. Uh, I'm just going to move on. You said you want to move fast, so I'm moving fast. Uh, it's another one-cost card. This time it's a one-cost event. It's a tactic called Precision Fire. It is aggression, and it says, attack with a unit, it gains Saboteur for this attack. If it's a trooper, it also gains plus two, plus zero for this attack. Um, obviously, Saboteur ignores a Sentinel, and you defeat any of the defender's uh, shields before the damage is done. So that's a uh, that's exciting, right? Because uh, again, just like giving something Saboteur is another way to get past Sentinel. But we also see indications of hey, you know, maybe you should be thinking about building a low to the ground kind of trooper deck. Um, the card we just looked at was also a trooper, as far as traits go. So I think this is definitely a tribe that's gaining more support as we see cards being revealed. And this is going to be, you know, just a great event to put in that deck, right? At one cost, you can fit it in with, uh, uh, in an early turn, if you just want to sneak through and get some damage done. It's a finisher, potentially, if you want to just, again, sneak through and get that last little bit of damage done. 
Um, the thing, the only thing I find that's a little bit funny is that it says it's called precision fire, but we have a stormtrooper on it. And yeah, I know he's holding a sniper rifle. And I know there's a line where Obi-Wan's like, only Imperial stormtroopers are this precise, which didn't prove to really be true. But I just find it kind of humorous that there's a stormtrooper on this card. It's it's a great piece of art, too, by the way. I do like the art on this card. I've talked about this before, but I like the stormtrooper in profile with the, the sniper rifle. Very cool. But also a very cool, cool card and one that I would absolutely include in any aggression deck I was going to build based on what we've seen so far. Uh, I, of course. Like, to me, this is even, like, Saboteur is the bonus. It's the, like, this is what you put in your trooper decks um, just to give a plus two, plus oh, uh, to trade upwards on something. If you have something with, like, a five that you need to punch through that has, like, a five or six health, you just put one of these on something loaded, like, a one or two drop and value trade with it. The Saboteur part, honestly, like, if they have a, if they have a Sentinel up, I would go after the Sentinel to to value trade into it so that I don't even have to worry about it later. I mean, like, I feel like this is just more aggression. It's a one-cost card that just plus twos a trooper, and I think that's what you want to do. You you The Saboteur part is, like, a bonus, um, but in my opinion, like, unless you're going for the kill and you're going for the throat, this is more of a card that is built to trade up or just to finish off your opponent. Yeah, I, I agree with everything said. The only part that I will add is that uh, the saboteur is a bonus, but it does fill a really important role here because this is an aggression only card. Uh, aggression historically has just been the source of direct damage when you think about terms uh, in terms of removal. So shield is very often uh, a premium way to defend against aggression, and this granting saboteur gives you right. a way to go around shielded as well. Mm -hmm. I know we always think about it going through Sentinel, but having this just beat on a, a unit with shield on it's also pretty good value. I forgot about that part. You're right. Uh, yep. Did your opponent just play their Iden Versio, and you're like, oh, no, a shield. Well, guess what? Eat you my trooper. Yeah, yeah. Well, how, dude, how bad does it feel when you flip your uh, six resource leader on uh, on your six resource turn, and then a trooper just uh, comes in, a two damage trooper gets plus two suddenly and just kills your leader? Oh, like the previous card, like the spec force sold, uh, the spec force soldier gets the plus one yeah. plus zero and just kills it for yeah. one for two resources. You killed their leader, so yeah. you're right. Like that's what I'm saying. Like that's... it's it's a tra it's an upward trade every single time. That's uh, another thing where I look at item versio and I'm like. Uh, the health is a, maybe a little bit low. But, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, that's the problem is you have to insulate her. Like you, in my opinion, you have to play her, and then four health is not enough. It's not enough at all. Uh, I, in my opinion, it's something you play her, and then maybe you give her like entrenched or something, or not even. I don't know, man. Like I, 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 I really like her. So one of the other reasons that she really appeals to me is that she reinforces what I've been saying for a while, which is. I don't think you always want to auto flip your leader the moment you hit the resource threshold. And I think mm -hmm. she is definitely one where you want to time it for value. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing, the p thing I think uh, people need to remember is that flipping your leader doesn't cost anything. Uh, so the, I, I think the idea with her is that you flip her on, you know, turn six or seven or whatever, whenever you feel the pressure, then you play your cards in such a way you use all the resources that you have to kill a bunch of things, either at once or over the course of the turn. And then you heal a bunch, you know, you, you ideally have it set up so she's not going to die right away, of course. And then you just do a, a big sort of like boost of healing through her ability because it's not when she's flipped, it's not a once per round thing. It's uh, just... When an enemy unit is defeated, heal one damage from your base. So you can turn uh, her flip turn into some very big swing turns. 
Um, which I suppose on second thought kind of justifies her low health because that is that is a big threat if she stays up for multiple turns. Suddenly, like all the damage you've done might be getting kind of reversed in the right deck. So, okay, I, I, I take back what I said earlier. Four health is probably a good spot for her to be at because now that I think about it, that could be a ridiculously strong turn. All right, let's go to the next one. It is a three-cost event, double command. This is Attack Pattern Delta. I think that this is a card almost recycled, I think, from Star Wars CCG. There was a card similar to this with Snowspeeders. Basically, Mm. what this does is it's a tactic, an event, a give a friendly unit plus three plus three for this phase, give another friendly unit plus two plus two, and give a third friendly unit plus one plus one. You're getting 12 points of value for three at a double command aspect rate. This is incredibly good. This is, uh, in my consideration, probably I would put this in uh, my trooper deck and pay the penalty. for. I would pay five for this to um, improve my, my troopers and go. I don't think that you can get around playing troopers without heroism and without aggression so including this i would have to play test this and see if this gets the value for five which i think it does five uh, 12 points of value for five cost is still very good and i really like that they costed it as a double command aspect um to Mm. me this is sort of a mid like i would want to play this i i doubt you're playing it as a three like on curve for three or whatever i think this is something as you've basically establish the board and you're going for the kill shot it's like all right let's go it's it's go time let's just get get all you know tie your shoes get your stuff we're going and i think that that's what this card is meant to do yeah you're definitely not playing it on your three resource turn because it's like i it's i can't imagine a scenario where you have like enough units on the field on your second turn to uh to do this that'd be like i if you know how to get three units out on your first turn and then set that up, I would love to know, because that would be like the most aggressive deck in the universe. That'd be amazing. But uh, but yeah, this is definitely a good mid to late game, I think. Finisher helper. Like, go ahead. I was going to say, the, the real question is, do you have to have three units to play it? Uh, uh, you don't I, You don't have to, but I think you lose out on some of the buffing if you do. I mean, you do, but it. I love that it trails off. So yeah. while I don't think this will be something we have to worry about, theoretically, if you dropped two one drops on your first turn and then you did play this on curve, like getting plus five on on an aggressive start would be really, really strong. I just don't think yeah, you're also true. playing double command and playing an aggressive strategy. Uh, yeah. Where I see this card shining, if I'm being entirely honest, is likely either in some sort of trooper deck, like, like Flake said, if you can make it work, or some other swarm deck. Or if you are playing ramp and you run this as like a one of, because if you run it as a one of and you draw it and it's not useful, you just resource it, right? Mm. But on the times where, you know, maybe you've played DJ Death Star and like one other unit and your opponent is not respecting them because they're small and they're they're not attacking into them. They don't want to ramp for you. Well, now suddenly you play this buff and they all trade up and you get your value, right? So Mm. I could see this as just like one of those... I'll run one of, and maybe I catch someone by surprise, or worst case scenario, I resource it. Yeah, that's one of the great things about this game, is that if you have a card in your hand that you're like, well, this is useless to me right now, resource it. Yeah, think about your next few turns first, but then if you don't need it, resource it. That was one thing that I used to do all the time, was I would overvalue cards, and I would, mm. and then I would take damage, or I would make poor decisions to value those cards in my hand. 
And then ultimately when I did get to play it, it was way too late and it never made yep. sense. That was one thing I, that was what improved me as a card gamer was realizing that, you know, a card's time is not always in every single game. And, you know, you need to sometimes just maximize the value in the here and now. Um, let's go to the next one, which is probably one of my favorite cards so far. It's so good. Well, then you should do it. Go ahead. Do it. Do you it, sure? Frank. Okay. Go for it. I'm, yeah. Well, all right then. All right. I'm seeing the light. There is good in me. Uh, it is a four cost unit ground. It is aggression. It is heroism. It is our good friend K2SO, one of the best droids from one of the best, if not the best Star Wars movie, Rogue One. It's Cassian's counterpart. K2SO is a 4 4 rebel droid. He's got overwhelm. By golly, that's not it. Because when K2SO is defeated, for each opponent, which alludes to multiplayer commander-style games, by the way, or 2v2 or whatever, choose one. Either deal three damage to that player's base or that player discards a card from their hand. So this is either going to push more tempo of aggression, of dealing more damage to the base. With Overwhelm, you'll be able to punch through things. Or the other option is... If you suspect that your like if your opponent's on top deck and they're holding on to one card and K2SO bites it, just ditch their card. Don't even don't even worry about it. So I love the versatility of the card. I love the stat line. I love everything about K2SO. Yeah. It's it's a great card. It's a, it's a rare and it's uh it lives up to the the rare uh quality card, you know, fantasy, I guess, where yeah, good stat line. Overwhelm is always nice. Um, with four, it, you're going to be overwhelming a little bit, it seems like. It seems like three is a big break point in this game, so four is great. Um, and yeah, two two great when-defeated abilities. Very versatile. Yeah, like you said, you not not a lot to add to it. You can choose whichever the best one is in the scenario. And But I think this is important, because I, K2SO is, is, is about as close to a main character in Star Wars you can get without really being a main character. He's a main character for one movie, right? So that's like second tier main character in in my book. Um, awesome character, and I like that they use the scene where he catches the grenade and then he just like tosses it behind him. Beautiful and blows scene. Yeah, it's 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 fun. But like, uh, so yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool card. Um, I, like I said, I like the scene. I like everything about this card. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is that it's aggression heroism, which makes it you know really only usable in heroism decks to a certain extent. But but you know that's okay they can have something you know yeah so it's only in potentially heroism but i do want to point out one of the reasons that i like this so uh i know we're supposed to be going fast i'll talk fast one i know i said earlier one of the first decks i'm looking at is a vigilance control the second one 100 is going to be an aggressive sabine heroism aggression yeah. deck right sabine's one of my favorite characters there's a lot of really really good stuff in aggression and heroism k2so fits that bill has overwhelm very good aggressive keyword when defeated you can deal damage love everything about this card it's one of my favorites that was revealed thank you nerds strike back they also revealed the next one which is spoiler alert really good and aggressive decks but the other reason i like this is that aggression is a trait that i or an aspect excuse me uh that I do feel can still be played in control archetypes and historically, at least so far in set one, it's leaned more toward that being with villainy. I think about cards like Emperor Palpatine, where 
it's an aggression card, but when you play it, it's very clearly like a late game bomb to control the board. This with the discard effect kind of gives me the hint or hopefully the foreshadowing that we will also have some sort of heroism variant where you can still play aggression, but use it as a control tool as well. And K2SO is so good because he can be in both. Either you push damage or if you're playing the control variant, making someone discard a card helps you play the attrition. So yeah, I love this card. One of my favorites from the recent reveals. Two things about this. Number one, the artwork uh, of that scene is awesome. And I need somebody to Photoshop him doing a mic drop. That's the one thing. The second, Sounds like a great altar, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like him just dropping the mic. Uh, the other one is I want to I want to see somebody Photoshop this art where uh, he's kind of riding an escalator in a mall. Like that's the other thing that I want to <laughs> see, or like a merry-go-round. Uh, let's go to. The I want to take him and shrink him really tiny, and then have another one standing above him, oh, so holding it's like his he's hand. holding the bigger one's hand. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Don't uh, talk to me or my son ever again. <laughs> uh, you want to do the next one, Doa? Sure. Um, it's uh, it's it's benthic two tubes because he's got two tubes on his face. I guess uh, Are one you sure of that's the not a slur. I, I was I thinking don't... that. That's why I didn't let you do this one. That's why I gave it it's, to Doa because I didn't want you to nickname. get. <laughs> it's his nickname, I guess, and he's okay with it because that's what his friends call him. I guess I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I I'm not here to comment on that aspect of the card, no pun intended. I'm here to just comment on his quality in the Star Wars Unlimited trading card game. Um, but he's one of uh, Saw Gerrera's buddies um, in uh, on on um, whatever that planet is that they go to, <laughs> Jeddah, uh, in, in Rogue One. It's another trooper, another rebel trooper, that, that uh, rebel trooper tribe uh, definitely coming alive. Uh, one for a 2-2 two, two again. So he's got that nice aggressive stat line. And on attack, another aggression unit gains raid two for this phase. On uh, raid, in case you've forgotten, it's uh, you get whatever the number is of raid in attack when attacking. So he gives another uh, aggression unit plus two when attacking that phase. So, I mean, man, you attack for it with, uh, with benthic two tubes and suddenly one of your other little troopers swings in for like, what, four or five, whatever it is, you know? So, yeah, just another great uh, enabler of the aggressive, low-to-the-ground uh, playstyle that, you know, we, we expected to see from aggression, but it's cool to see it come together. This card's outstanding. It Let me is. just jump right in. It I'll is. try to talk fast. This card is so good. So mm -hmm. it has relevant tags. Rebel, very important. Trooper, very important. This is only aggression as the aspect. So earlier we were singing the praises of the other one drop, but keep in mind that was heroism and aggression. This is just aggression. So yeah. if you're playing any sort of low to the ground aggro deck, whether it's heroism or villainy, this has to be a staple because it's a one for a two, two with two relevant tags that has the potential to give you a four, two in stats, right? You get the two, two body and then on attack, he'll grant something else raid two. So it gets the plus two. That's absurd value. It becomes like one of the must answer cards. And if you have this and then you also have another like high tier, high quality one drop and you play them both turn one, you're making your opponent pick their poison. It's an absolutely phenomenal card. I love it. This is going to be a potential pack one, pick one, in my opinion. If the rare is kind of, you know, mild, this is absolutely a pack one, pick one. The other part, the, the only downside to this card is that it's unique. That is the only downside because there are no three tubes. There's only two tubes, okay? So there's just oh. the one dude. So far. So far, you're right. You never know. Uh, but 
Yeah, I, I you, you can run three copies of two tubes, but only one can be in play at a time. Oh my god! Uh, there we yeah, we've, we've yeah, you can't them. have two two tubes on the uh, on the board. Too many two tubes. Yeah. All right, we're done. <laughs> I promise you. Thank you, Nerd Strike Back. You said it all, uh, Charmer. I'm not going to go you know, any deeper. At the very least, a one aspect two two with with upside. Let's be real. Like that's just basically already above rate. Uh, who wants to do the next one, Charmer? Uh, Could I do the next oh, one? Oh yes, my favorite. Yeah, I was gonna say let somebody else do it's, this one. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I don't like to jump in and do two in a row very often. Do it. But, do but it. Uh, this is two tubes. Probably it's a uh, two cards, two tubes. It's a uh, probably my favorite ship design in all of Star Wars, which is the the medical frigate design. And it's not just any medical frigate. It's Redemption, famous for being at the uh, the battle at the end of Return of the Jedi and all that. Um, one of the most iconic ships in Star Wars, like when I think of Star Wars ships, is one of the first one that comes to mind because it looks. I love the design of this ship, and I always have because it looks so space shippy, and that sounds strange. But what I mean is something that could never really exist easily in like an atmosphere. Like this is something that can really only be assembled and flown in outer space. Um, so I, I just I've always loved the design for it. But let's talk about the card. It costs eight. It's Vigilance Heroism, Rebel Vehicle Capital Ship, 6-9 for stats, with Sentinel, and a very interesting ability. When played, heal up to 8 total damage from any number of units and or bases. Deal that much damage to this unit. So, it uh, it trades its own health to heal other things. So, that's it's very interesting to consider the usage of this card uh, in, in a lot of ways. In, in, on the one hand, you've got a 9 health sentinel in space. That's a really big amount of protection for that lane, right? So, you may just want to play it and just park it there and say, all right, well, you got to run 9 damage into this now. Um, on the other hand, you have the ability to create this big burst of healing where you need it, too. So, you can almost, um, you know, kind of like we talked about with a unit earlier, use it as more of an event than a unit. And uh, just give yourself a crucial amount of healing right at the at the right time late game. You know, it is expensive, but if you're running a, a slower deck that it's grindier that goes late, that amount of healing can be very very big. Um, not to mention, you know, if there's ways to like do the damage when you play this and then heal it back up, then suddenly you kind of get the best of both worlds. So we have to sort of see what options you know will be there for that. But um, I'm just excited to see the ship in the game. I've always loved Redemption. Um, like I said, one of my favorite ship designs. And uh, it just so happens that it's got some uh, really cool abilities too. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this card. It does cost eight. So I do wonder how viable something like this is going to be. How often our game's going to go to where you're reliably able to get to an eight resource turn. Um, but you can be pretty pretty sure that i'm gonna try to build a deck that gets there i i love star destroyers i love the big capital ships so i'm gonna try to make decks that that get me those ships out so i'm, I'm hyped about this one when when you mentioned that this can be played kind of like almost as an event i thought that was a very cool way to to put it because you're right um and part of the value of this is you can do it to rescue other units or it's a six nine sentinel in space that is a behemoth to get through a lot of star destroyers mm -hmm. can't get through this um but beyond that you're right because the, the when cards become flexible and versatile their value goes through the roof any card that could do multiple things or spread out things and where you're not leaking you're not leaking any value out of it that's what this is because sometimes it's like you just want to heal something enough so that it survives a trade uh 
And then you can have, like, if you just need to heal three, it still lives on the board as a 6-6 six, six Sentinel. Like, the, yeah. the, this card is so damn good. Um, and I don't think that there's ever going to be an issue of you getting to eight resources as a, as a Vigilance Aspect deck because it heals a lot. There's a lot of restore effects. There's a lot of big body, you know, stick to the board kind of uh, cards that can help you out there. I honestly believe that getting to turn, like getting to a situation where you can deploy this safely, that like this is kind of like your big turnaround pivot play. You play this, you heal some stuff. Whatever, whatever comes after that has to bash through this to some degree. You might heal just to the part where it's like, all right, well you've got a a five five in space. I'm just gonna heal three, leave up a six six. And you can't trade into this. Or you have to waste an action to beef up the thing, and then I can respond accordingly. So this card, to me, is of like an A-plus, uh, uh, definitely an A-plus. And I know we're going to give ratings. We're doing our whole ratings series of, of episodes. but yeah, I Once everything's released, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give this a preemptive A-plus right out of the gate. Wow. There's, there's a couple of other fun bits that i want to highlight about this because we're trying to go fast so i'll touch on the big ones one i think healing three will be the most common uh use because a card like takedown exists so you can heal three and then stay out of takedown range while having a, a big fatty but the really good players will be able to express skill and identify if they think their opponents are playing takedown or not and then they might be able to heal more I also really like this card when you start thinking about interactions both uh, with your own deck and with your opponent's deck and return effects. So if you're playing against a cunning opponent and you think, hey, they're running like waylay, okay, fine, I'll gain eight, bounce it. I dare you, I wanna gain eight again and again. And similarly, if you're not on like a double vigilance build or something, if you're playing heroism, cunning, and vigilance together you might consider some of those effects where you just bounce this yourself and then replay it and then it's an engine uh but the last bit that and the reason that i do like it is that it's flexible because if you are way ahead in a game but you draw it and you still want to play it for the body value you're not losing out on value if you don't heal your base you can just have more health on the unit right so this is one of those cards that in other games if it was just like a 6-6 six, six that says when you play it, heal three from your base, it might feel bad if you're, you know, at 28 or 29 on a 30 health base and you're like, well, I still really want to play it, but I'm not going to get full value. This always gives you full value one way or the other. So, yeah, love it. Should be good. Yep. Next up, who wants the next one? Uh, I'll do this one because this card's also outstanding and it's uh, great in that Sabine aggro deck that I want to play. So... Uh, this is for a cause I believe in. This is a three-cost event. It is heroism and aggression. Uh, it's a rare card. Uh, on the stream, it was also said this is one of Danny's favorite cards. So, you know, if Daddy Schaefer loves it, it's got to be good. Uh, it says, reveal the top four cards of your deck. For each heroism card revealed this way, deal one damage to an enemy base. Then you may discard any of the revealed cards and put the rest back on top of your deck in any order. I, I like dealing yeah. four damage and then sorting out my draws. I mean, that that's the best part of all of this, I think, is is that you can potentially go damage positive for the cost and then, uh, you know, filter your next uh, turn's draws, at least. So, that yeah, it's 
fantastic card for heroism aggression auto include three of i think in a lot of cases uh unless you plan on running a lot of like just basic uh, uh aggression cards um but from what we've seen i mean it, it seems like you know there's gonna be a lot of heroism in there so yeah you can definitely tailor your deck to hit four on this every time this one to me is very much uh this is like your trooper deck sort of late game uh, bastion of hope kind of thing where you might be struggling for looking for cards and getting stuff and you don't want to draw two and it's just two things you don't want having this card is such that you're not only doing damage to your opponent it's a card that'll find value there but also you know that the next two cards are going to be the ideal of the next four so you're sort of shaping your next turn to be at least comp continue to be competitive this isn't yep. a game ender it's merely a game extender and sometimes for trooper aggro low to the ground decks that's what you need. So I think that this is, like you said, Doa, definitely a three of. Do you think there's any uh, relationship to four cause I believe in and reveal the top four cards? That's a very Star Wars CCG thing of them to do. It is. Have a little remember, subtle. Remember the, is that a pun, I suppose, in there? Yeah. Remember the Tanika sisters where it's like everything yep. about them were <laughs> two like of, two. Yeah. If you have two of this, use two force to choose two cards. To, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll get the next one. Next one is a simple event, a two-cost event called uh, Keep Fighting. It's a tactic, single-aspect aggression, ready a unit with three or less power. Attack, set them up, line them up, send them again. Why not? Uh, and I think this is cool. You've got one of the clone troopers in, like, one of the training facilities. Uh, which clone was this? The dude who had the big, the big Gatling gun? This doesn't look like a training facility. This looks like real life. This looks like a <laughs> this looks like a life and death situation yeah, he's in right now. He's surrounded by droids, man. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's some harsh training. It's like defeat hundreds of droids or die. <laughs> all right, you got it. Uh, yeah, it, we it could be it could be real life. We'll say uh, Hunter and Friends. Uh, Brett Spiel uh, or Brett Spiele. I, I apologize for pronouncing that incorrectly. Nonetheless, yeah, I mean this to me is I don't think that this is really. Uh, a, I don't think it's a great card. I wouldn't play it. Uh, oftentimes, if I'm sending a card with three or less, to me, this is something where it has really? to have an on-attack effect that really does some big deal that you want to have it maybe twice in a turn. But if it's just like a, a regular card that you're dealing damage with, I don't want to spend two to ready it up and then you so, know wait another turn to do something with it. There's a couple of things that... Uh, I would say you would want to consider whether or not you want to run this. Uh, I agree with you. I think that it shines with on attack effects. So somebody like Benthic Two Tubes, for example, fantastic. But mm -hmm. there's also a lot of other really good on attacks uh, effects that have like low attack values. So like Sabine the Leader is one, um, Yoda uh, or any other restore effect card. Because again, remember, this is just aggression. So if you're trying to use aggression as a control tool, then using this to like attack twice other with a restore unit could be a pretty big deal. Um, but the other thing that we have to remember is this readies any unit. So this also theoretically lets you attack with units you've just played this turn. Um, so it's a nice card. I think that you could, again, maybe run one or two of if you get it too early, maybe you resource it. But later on, if you're in an aggro deck and you're stalling out, and you have a pair of three drops you draw, but you're at five resources, well, you can play one, but then probably attack with it right away. And then you're still getting some mm -hmm. sort of value. So, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of aggressive cards that have low attack values because they have things like raid, right? So like Fifth Brother is another one. Um, I know there's more that I'm forgetting, but that, that's where I would see this card potentially shining. Any of those ones where the the value is in the attack action itself. 
Yeah, you can you can use it to sort of dictate your opponent's line of play too, which is again, you know, going to be one of the most important strategic things to keep in mind with this game. So, you know, speaking of uh, using using good old uh, tubes as an example again, you know, you attack with them once, you say, okay, I'm giving this aggression uh, creature uh, plus two ray two, you know, then you're like, all right, I'm going to keep fighting, I'm going to ready benthic again, and they know now. Okay, he's going to attack with Benthet again. He's going to give another raid to to this guy. This he's going to be buffed even more. So now I feel the pressure of responding to either Benthic or this other <coughs> unit, and ideally it's in a way that's favorable to you know you as the person who's playing keep fighting. I don't think it'll come up often because it requires your opponent to basically pretend your board doesn't exist and not interact with it. But theoretically. Uh, this is also a card that would shine late in the game if you're using Grand Inquisitor because you could, hmm. like, attack with a unit, then deploy your Grand Inquisitor. His on attack is you may deal one to another friendly unit with three or less and then attack with it. So he attacks, he readies the other one, you attack with that again. Then you use this to ready your Grand Inquisitor again. He attacks, readies the other one again. Yep. So this is definitely one of those things where you could chain together a bunch of interactions if your opponent, like takes the initiative or ends their turn too early. So there, there is, I, I think, some use cases for this. Oh, totally, yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be one of those cards that's, like, difficult to play uh, as effectively as it can be. You know, I think it's a card with a high ceiling, but a fairly high floor as well, um, as far as playing it the right way. Because you can definitely have turns where you play it, and then they just kill the thing. And you're like, well, now I use my two resources, and I didn't right. get anything out of it. And they're fine with removing that that other unit because they were going to do it anyway. And yeah, so there's definitely ways to sort of like hurt yourself with this card, but a good player is going to be able to put it to really good use. Well, that's the thing. I think that this has to connect with certain cre like creatures, certain units to actually be a good card. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I have no interest in playing like a trooper aggro deck that I'm like aggression to me. Like well. it's just it's just, well, it's not my play style. That like to me, they're in terms of like the hierarchy of decks I want to try. I'm like I want to try a Thrawn cunning deck. I want to try like a a big star destroyer control command deck like this to me is like three or four or five rungs below that you know so um let's go to the next one the next one is a space unit is a two drop cunning and villainy cartel spacer it's a two three underworld vehicle fighter when played if you control another cunning unit exhaust an enemy unit that costs four or less love it Really love this card. Uh, anything that just immediately puts something out of commission, this just reeks of cunning through and through. The fact that this is just a two-drop that just negates something bigger than it, it can potentially just give you a lane to attack freely and not have to worry about that thing, like the bigger thing retaliating. Uh, again, cunning really, I feel in my opinion, really wants initiative a lot. It really wants the initiative. This to me is like, all right, I go first, I'm dropping this. Your four drop that you played last turn is now out of commission. So um, I think that this card is going to have some decent utility. I just, I want to see more cards, obviously, but I really like this card. Yeah, I mean, it's got a good stat line too, right? Two for a two, three. Um, it's going to just have that little bit of extra durability that's going to help out a lot. Uh, and yeah, great, uh, great on play or when played rather. Um, it has the condition right, but you feel like if you if you're putting this card in your deck, you're gonna be building the deck in a way that that condition should be pretty easily met each turn. So I'm not so worried about that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a I think it's a strong looking card. Not much else to say. It's good. Yeah, 
low cost, good stats, uh, likely very relevant even if drawn late in the game. Uh, only other thing that I'll add is again, underworld and fighter tags on this. So as more and more sets come out, will potentially fit in more and more themes as well. So I, I also like this card a lot. God, I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Charming, right. you want the next one? Um, no, I'll let you do it. Me? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. I also thought of another mount. Do you consider the gigantic space worm that they were in as something that they rode or mounted? I don't think they did either of those things. I think they went in it and then escaped it. Okay. They, they were moving while inside it, but I don't think they mounted it. All right. Yeah. Okay, fine. I think uh, you need to find, like, uh, you know... Star Wars Paul Atreides to ride the uh, Star Wars giant, you know, space worm <laughs> if you want to do something like that. You know? There's a Dune reference that I actually got, which is surprising because I, I am not a Dune fan in any way. Uh, this is a three drop unit ground. It is Bodie Rook. Uh, you might remember him as the pilot from He's Rogue a pilot, Blood. I heard. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I want to give some context to this character and this scene. Because I was already mesmerized by Rogue One. I was so captivated by that movie the first time I saw it. And the to me, the the sort of uh, consequence of knowing that or when a movie is good, you get so enveloped in it that you kind of forget about a lot of the, uh, the outside factors. Because when there's a movie that I'm not all in, I begin to criticize it against other things, either within its own lore or against other similar things. Rogue One to me and Star Wars, obviously, I'm gonna, if I'm going to watch it, I know so much about like the peripheral stuff that when I watched Rogue One, it was such a good movie that I forgot what the consequence of the entire movie was. Because when Bodhi, spoiler alert, dies in that everybody movie, dies. when everybody, that's the thing. They throw the grenade in there. They throw the explosive in there. He dies fulfilling his mission. That was the snap factor where I was like, oh, my God. I completely forgot everybody dies like in this in this movie. And that was again, I was like, this movie was so good. And I was so enthralled by the characters, the story, everything that I was secretly hoping. I was like, I wonder what happens to these characters. I was so into it. And then that was the scene when he dies, you know, bridging the communication gap between the surface and the, the the ships above. That's when it all came crashing back to me. And I was like, holy Moses, they all die. That was it. So Bodhi Rook is a double cunning three drop, a three, three Imperial rebel. That is a cool one. Imperial rebel. When played, look at an opponent's hand, discard a non-unit card from it. Beautiful. Just beautiful. I love it. It's cunning. It's, it's Imperial and Rebel. It plays both sides of the boards, baby, so that it always comes out on top, you know, to get, use a Mac term from It's Always Unless Sunny. Unless it dies. Unless it dies, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Unless it's in Rogue One. But I I, uh, I, I really like this card, too, and and I think it's a good example of, of uh, how we've seen the double aspect cards really kind of, like, go far into what that aspect's identity is. Um, without touching on, on that massive conversation, right? Um, but uh, it's, you know, so double cunning. So you get to do something extra good in the cunning line of play where you get to look at your opponent's hand and discard a non-unit card from it, right? It's a little bit more limited than Spark of Rebellion. Um, but, you know, you do get to do that kind of extreme end of the cunning aspect kind of thing. It's a three for three. For three. So I think it's going to be one of those, like, 
circumstantially good cards. Um, you don't want to, you know, play it and then whiff, right? Because if they don't have a non-unit, then you're like, well, I got this three for three for three. I guess that's okay. <laughs> but to me, this looks like a sideboard card, right? This looks like a card where I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna include this depending on like what I think I'm going to run into at this day at the store or something, you know? If only there were a leader that was going to let you see the cards your opponent was drawing. If only we had a way to know that they had. <laughs> like you talk about like the galactic Mr. Burns that is Thrawn. Oh yeah, that Thrawn. Uh, I, I do think that he'll likely be an auto include in all Thrawn decks. I do otherwise sure. kind of agree. He will likely be a sideboard card. I just personally love that this is the card game equivalent of like I double dog dare you. So what I mean by that is there's a bunch of single hunting cards that care about events being played. So they're like, all right, I'm going to play this unit. And then they're like, well, I dare you to leave it up or else I'll play events and, and get some value. And then Mr. Rook here is like, all right, well, you're on single cunning, but I'm on double cunning and I double dog dare you to have events in your hand because I'm going to just strip them out. So it's mm -hmm. like it's weird that it's a cunning card that probably works best countering cunning because cunning has a lot of event based themes, but it's also going to get value, you know, against the other aspects as well. But that that was one of the bits that I liked about it. Yeah, I think every deck is going to have some level of events in it, but some decks are going to be very event heavy. Some decks are going to be very event light. Um, but yeah, like you said, if you're playing Thrawn, then, you know, you can just use the ability, you can see what's in their hand, then you can like target that specifically. I, I think he's still, again, depending on the deck, right? Like I'm always going to have three cards around to replace Bodhi Rook if I need to, right? Because even if I'm playing Thrawn and I'm running into a deck with like barely any events, then I'm like, well, maybe sit this one out, Bodhi. Guys, Take a break. I, I really love this card. I, I I just like so much of what cunning does. Um, anyway, uh, we'll we'll get duress like, on a body. Yeah, that's it. Like, it's duress. That like? It's duress <laughs> on a body. Like that's exactly what it is. And there are cards like that. Was uh, duress non creature? Duress yeah. was a one. Uh, I remember a, a one black yeah, one cost black sor yeah. sorcery. Yeah. Um, there was a card like the cave bat or something from the from uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan. It was like a two drop black card. Uh, one one flyer with lifelink that would look and it would do that it would do the duress effect but it would take wow. any card and but it would hide it under the bat but in limited that card was busted because it was hard to warrant spending resources to kill a one one flyer but yeah um i'm gonna we'll move on to the next one you want this one or do you want the next sure. one doa i can do it i can do whatever um this one is a two cost single cunning card it's a crafty smuggler He's an underworld unit, two two, uh, and shielded. So that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, that I, I feel like shielded is more of a vigilance uh, mechanic, but here we we do see things cross aspects every once in a while. It feels like, and this is kind of one of those occasions where it's like, you know, just a two for a two two with a shield on it. That's going to be an annoyingly sticky unit. It's fairly restricted in its traits. Like if you're building a trooper deck, you know. You, I don't know, you know, if it's good enough to include in there because of the shield token, but it's certainly not going to synergize with the other trooper stuff, right? So I, I think it's, I think it's a good, solid, uh, limited 
card, it seems like. I, Charmer's nodding. Okay, I got that right. I'm getting yeah. good at limited. It, it's grizzly bears I, but with upside, so you're oh, fine. Oh, yeah, grizzly There bears. you go. <laughs> two for two to a shield. Solid limited card. There you go. And maybe, just maybe, in some constructed decks. I, I've got some points about this because there's two things that you can kind of infer between this and the other one we spoiled earlier, which was the was Mr. Benthic Two Tubes. Because Two Tubes was a 2-2 two -two for one single aspect. This is a 2-2 two -two for two single aspect. So what we're looking at here is what the value is of certain things like uh, uniqueness, what shield is worth, what um, what raid on attack raid two is worth, because for one extra resource, all you're getting is shield, but you get a generic tag to it. You can play three of them on the board at a time. For benthic two tubes, you're only paying one. You get the raid thing, but it's a it's a a, a unique aspect or it's a unique unit that you can only play one of at a time so what i like about this oh and also the other differentiating factor is uncommon versus common so you're seeing what the sort of differences are for a 2-2 in terms of like those three things of terms of like cost shield uniqueness rarity it's a cool comparison to make but overall like you said it's a grizzly bear with a shield and uh i think it's actually not bad i think that a 2-2 uh uh, yeah, two, a two-drop with a shield as a 2-2 two -two is not terrible. Like, it could trade early game if you get it, or you resource it. And I think that a lot of people are going to forget the fact that, you know, certain cards are only good on turns one and two for you. And beyond that, you just resource them. And that's fine. Because if you get this in the opening hand and you can drop it, great. If not, just resource it and don't worry about it. I'd run it in, like, Boba Fett, probably, right? Where it's like a, it's an early game, probably trades up. You still have your 2-2 on the board. They lose the unit. You ready some resources. So I think it'll be it'll be good in, in uh, Boba Fett, at least. And it was used in Boba Fett on that stream. So that's, uh, you know, that seems to be a bit of an indication, too. But, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good unit. Um, anything beyond Grizzly Bear? Grizzly Bear with shield. Good limited. Deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, you get, in my opinion, the most groundbreaking card that we've had so far. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I definitely need to take this one. Yes, go for it. This, yeah, this, this is uh, a three-cost ground unit titled Volunteer Soldier. It's not unique. It's just a volunteer soldier. It is a trooper. Has a two-three stat line. Also has raid one. Now mm -hmm. you might be saying, all right, it costs three but if you control a trooper unit it costs one less to play so if you control a trooper then it becomes a two for a two three but the real selling point of this is that it is neutral it is without any aspects much like me it has no identity on its own yeah <laughs> it is useless yeah. <laughs> but unlike you it wow. has a lot of redeeming qualities charmer so yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. I'm just going to stay out of this. So this one is interesting, obviously, because it's the first time we've seen a neutral card. Uh, one of the mm. things on the live stream that they pointed out is that you're going to immediately look at the set number and then, you know, do some calculations to kind of figure out how many neutral cards there there may or may not be coming. Um, but they did also specifically call out, you know, the reason for including some neutral cards is that sometimes you're playing limited or you're drafting and... You just don't find stuff in your aspect. And so uh, this is one way where, you know, they already have the cool built in, like you can pay the tax 
And this is like that middle ground, right? Because this is the kind of thing where if it had an aspect, it would be a, likely a two drop based on mm. what you're staring at. Um, so that would mean it would cost four. Or if you're in limited, you could draft this because it's like taking something outside your aspects, but with a, a discount of one. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, you definitely put it in trooper deck. That's that's for sure, because, yeah, you're going to get that value 100 percent of the time. But yeah, like I said, I think I think limited will be good. I don't really have a lot to add. I think it's it's really interesting that we have uh, unaspected cards. Um, that's uh, that's new and that's that's cool. It makes me wonder, you know, what else will be put in there? Because you got to be really careful if you're making a card game like this and you're making cards that can just be in any deck. Um, that's a recipe for cards to be made that it's like, well, no, I'm just going to put this in every deck I ever make. Uh, so I, I hope every it, card can go in any deck already. That's the sure, game. but you know what I mean? Like easily, yeah. like without being penalized for the aspect. Uh, but I, I hope every one of them has little qualifying elements to this, right? Where it's either like slightly more expensive or you have to jump through a little extra hoop, but it's there if you really want to go in on on one particular angle for your deck and this will augment that angle and you're willing to pay this like little extra neutral card tax to get there so i'm really intrigued by you know wh where they're going to take this um but it's it's a it's a cool card and yeah seems auto include for troopers so, Mo most there you go. games that i've played that have had a classification or a neutral sorry uh, that have neutral um sort of uh affiliation as it were mm -hmm. so gwent has neutral cards magic has artifacts that have n no color affiliation the typical payoff for that is they are weaker the, the bang for the buck is weaker because of the versatility of it so i get it like what they i think the way they've circumvented that in designing this is as a, a three drop for two three is not great but we're going to give you a pass if you fit it into the theme of what it's meant to be. Um, and I like that. And I think it's great. I think that that's what's needed because if you look at magic and artifacts, if you do like a, a four cost artifact, a creature in magic is probably going to be a three, three or a, th or a four, mm -hmm. four vanilla, uh, a four drop with double color in magic is likely a five six a four a five five with text like you get a lot more benefit as soon as you're restricting it with some sort of color yeah. or mana association this to right. me is great because they sort of say it's gonna suck unless you play it within the sort of scheme or that we envisioned it to be in uh also about this this is uh, the artwork is using the uh the feed palace security uniforms and Arguably mm -hmm. the worst weapon design I have ever seen in Star Wars, which is this weird handheld rifle-ish thing with the most obs obscene scope on it. For what some is reason, scope? How, like that's this? what I'm saying. There's no, there's no stock to it. There's no butt stock to sort of aim with. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to sort of match this with that. That movie also featured one of my favorite weapons, which is uh, Queen Amidala's blaster, which I thought was the cleanest, sleekest-looking little pistol that packed a wallop. So I had to look at that nonsense, and then I got the palate cleanser of Padme shooting the crap out of a bunch of droids. Even Obi-Wan saw that blaster, and he was like, that's nice. fairly elegant. Yeah. I, I have one last thing that I want to point out, uh, and this is regarding, like, potential balance of the neutral cards. 
Uh, we've already seen a number of cards that care about aspect, and I don't mean in terms of the tax. Even today, as we're talking about reveals, cards like Benthic Two Tubes, mm -hmm. um, cards like the For a Cause I Believe In, right, where they care about heroism, they care about you know another aggression unit. Um, you know, we've got the the cartel fighter that cares about seeing another cunning unit, and so yes, this fits into a trooper deck, but you know. Benthic is also a trooper, but he cares about aggression as well. So there's an additional kind of balance and trade-off with, with the neutral here. Yeah. Just, I think just the worst trades better. The worst uniform and the worst gun design. That's it. Wow. Uh, big uh big uh Naboo you know, hate over here. Big, uh, big Flake, you, Booma. Since since you were so angry at that one, why don't you do the next card so that you can talk about a gun that deserves to have a scope on it god the, uh, his gun looks like a like a one of those recorders you get in elementary <laughs> school though you know if you look at it it's got it it, it totally does like he's, he's about to play hot cross <laughs> buns I, i'm kind of you know i i you know no no shade towards uh, the artist there but i feel like he was like oh i don't know how to draw a gun and there was his recorder from elementary school sitting on the de desk next to him and he was like hmm what if i put a scope on this <laughs> what is he the is he the rob leefield and, of like weapons like instead of drawing not being able to draw feet I he just like drew i said I don't want to throw shade, but that gun looks exactly like the recorder that I learned to play no. Ode to Joy on in uh, like first grade. I couldn't remember if that's how it looked in the game, but I just pulled it up, and uh, yeah, that's that's accurate. It Look, kind of looks that way in the game too. Oh, okay. There uh, again, we the the artwork has been phenomenal, uh, and and we're poking fun because we're also terrible at artwork. So we are. Hey, speak for yourself. I will speak for myself okay. <laughs> totally. uh so for the record the card is del miko a unique ground unit three cost uh vigilance villainy a three three imperial trooper text saying restore one and it also says each event an opponent plays costs one more this card i love it for everything but the artwork because the art and i will get to the artwork but first of all restore one a three drop three three pretty run-of-the-mill restore one again helps you out but the beautiful part about this is that making your opponent's resources uh, sorry events cost one more if they're a if they're a cunning deck they're gonna play a lot of resources and if you're taxing every single one by one extra like per it doesn't say the first one they play it's every single mm. one so if they've got like a bunch of two or three costs they're going from playing three of them to two of them potentially so you're limiting everything that they can do or they're gonna have to pay the first one to deal with this this is a very sideboard all-star card to card to me i would even like i could main board this i think the problem is is i don't know what else is coming within this thing but to me this is a great sideboard and i i want to close this conversation of this card after you guys talk about the text because i have some beef with this <laughs> this artwork i can't i can't believe they put channel lake frigid in uh, star wars unlimited it's <laughs> yeah. uh Fab players out there, you know what I'm talking about. But no, I think it's I think it's uh it's it's not quite that strong, obviously. But I, I agree it can be a good sideboard card. I think it's even fine if you really want to have a three three trooper in your main board. Again, you know, looking at that trooper trait, looking at that imperial trait too, that might be a reason to put it in. And so if you're just saying, all right, well then you just get a three three for one. And it's probably going to get some value from the other text, but it may not. Either way, I'm still pretty happy with this. So I I think it's a I think it's a pretty great card for uh, those tribes specifically for Imperial and for Trooper. And the event thing is just this like awesome bonus that can sometimes I think be like 
potentially backbreaking for your opponent. So I, I think it's a pretty great card. I, I really like it because if you're playing a Vigilance Control deck uh, and you're with Villainy, right? So if you're on the Iden deck, for example, uh, mm -hmm. this does two different things for you uh, based on the matchup. So one, it is a 3-3 with Restore and the Villainy side of Vigilance doesn't have access to as much Restore. So that ends up being like form, far more relevant, in my opinion. You don't get Yoda. You know, you're not getting... Uh, the Kanan triggers, you're not getting a, lo a lot of those things that you do when you go Heroism Vigilance. So I think that Restore yeah. 1's actually pretty important. But then it's more important against aggro, and then you go the reverse, where against other control decks, the interrupting or you know making them paint an additional tax on the events is a pretty big deal. And I'm glad Flake mentioned the, hey, this isn't even your first one, because to me, the dream, like if you're playing control and you're playing like command, vigilance, villainy, and you're like some sort of ramp control, getting one of these down and then ramping into a relentless feels like you've just locked somebody out because it's like, all right, you got to pay one extra. The first thing gets automatically countered. And then you got to pay one extra a second time just to get any event through whatsoever. That feels awful. Yeah, it, there's a, a whole bunch of like this all becomes greater than the sum of their parts, right? Like you have this mm -hmm. on the board and <laughs> each one just kind of is an extra little thorn in your side to the point where you're like, I can't even do anything that I wanted to. You're right. It is a kind of a lockout situation. Um, are we ready to talk a little bit about uh, my gripes with the artwork? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. First things first. I really like the artwork in terms of the detail, the the background, and, and sort of what they were trying to accomplish. However, the first thing that I want to uh, uh, talk about is the fact that Del Miko here, like you said, looks like he just came back from a performance of Flight of the Bumblebees on his flute and then turned it into an assault rifle, which is fine because there are movies where flute guns were things. Secondly, uh, the dude looks a little bit like Mr. Bean. And that is perfectly okay, but I cannot get that out of my head now. He's got a little, a little Rowan Atkinson to him. <laughs> now that now that I look at it and think of it in that perspective, right? The second I, thing I see it a little bit. The second thing is, is if you take his belt buckle and draw a line to the center of the scope where his head should be, it looks like his head is coming out of his right shoulder because nobody can make their head go that far to the side. Like, hmm. so that to me, there's a there. It looks weird to me because this could have been fixed by just moving the gun forward. And the way he's holding the gun, he's holding the gun at the trigger. But then the other part for this massive gun, it's so front weighted that you can't hold a gun steady. That I'm not a, a firearms expert in any way. I have fired really? an assault rifle before when I when I was in the U.S. There was nothing I had to. It was okay. part of my entry, but I have sure. fired an AK, an AR-15 before, and you can, you have to hold it so it's balanced. There's no way this gun is balanced the way he's holding it. Yeah, but that's that's an AR, not a space rifle. Fine, I'll, I will give you that. Why is his head coming out of his right shoulder? The, the you could have easily moved the gun a little bit forward and had the head sort of leaning over there's no way your head Del goes Nico there is an accomplished and this is a well-known fact actually in the imperial army uh classically trained dancer but one of those ones that like oh like a contortionist what is he a, he's not a contortionist he's not a, i mean i'm willing i'm willing to give it a pass because of the it's, it's at an extreme angle um this artist uh 
saying Ario Murdy. I, I I looked up his other art, and I really like it actually. Like uh, his other stuff, the his comic book work he's done. It looks like he's worked on things like Game of Thrones comics, um, Stranger Things, and things like that. And I, I generally really like his his way of drawing people. Um, but uh, but it's this one again for me. It's just that the gun looks like a flute. That's that's really my only issue with it. I I haven't I, seen a flute this dangerous. This is a very a Green Ranger. Oh it's a, it's a very extreme angle comic book looky kind of thing. So when you're doing this style, you do get to play a little bit with perspective and and uh, things like that to to make it work from the drama side. So I, I get what's being done here. So I don't I don't mind it from that regard. For me, it's and if if that gun looks like a flute in actual Star Wars lore, then then he gets a pass. It's just what the gun looks like. It's just a flute gun. It's hilarious. That's all. All right. Great card though. So. Uh... The problem with these episodes is that we want to eventually have a discussion about <laughs> aspect ideologies. That was actually Someday. that was our mission for the past three episodes. The fact remains is that either we're not all here or there is such an influx of card spoilers that we have to talk about. And they're all so fascinating that we yep. do blow past this. So I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into we have notes written about it. We just don't have time because we're blowing past this. We're like an hour and a half deep into this episode and we just got past these cool new spoilers. So, friends, uh, we will get to that in the future is that fair yeah i think it's yeah. fair okay so what we're gonna do then is i'm gonna ask charmer i'm gonna be charmer i'm gonna ask you a question let's okay. say let's say you go you have two wonderful sons i've met them they're great stark and monroe they're such incredible human beings they're having their uh band recital okay okay you're in there you're waiting monroe stark they're having a great time suddenly the 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 dude on the flute is not there anymore you're like where did flute guy go and you look at the top of the balcony in the rafters and you see this this the glint of a scope what do you say this is america <laughs> oh but also i have a bad feeling about this i got a bad feeling about this i have a bad feeling about this i've got a bad feeling about hey. quiet so last week, when I did this to... It got real. Well, when I did it to Doa, uh -huh. he, he gave the answer. He said, I have a bad feeling. And I explained to him, I said, if this was Charmer, he'd give some stupid answer first. And then we <laughs> and that is precisely where we got to. So we're, we're going to get to the bad feeling mailbag. We have one uh, question that was left over from uh, a little while ago, and we promised that we'd get to it. So... It is from Virgent Games. Virgent Games asking, there are hints of mill strategy showing up. What is your opinion of the viability of mill in the first set? Now, obviously, hmm. the thing about it is that we don't have a lot of information or we don't have all the cards yet. So they might be some very key pieces mill related. Maybe it's a leader. Maybe it's more cards. We don't know. But I want to answer this really quick and say such. Any car It's a 50 card deck, right? So yep. it's a 50-card deck. You're drawing two cards, so you're <clears> already <throat> accelerating the pace of burning through an already smaller deck than what is has typically been standard in card games, which is about 60. So mm -hmm. mill is already a strategy without even playing mill cards. You just have yep. to buckle down. Adding cards that mill your opponent is, even if there's two cards that you can play three copies of you're already there mill is already a viable strategy and i think that it might actually be a concern down the line mm. yeah i 
I've never been a big fan of mill in card games, uh, just because it strays too close to the I didn't get to play my deck feeling when you when you lose it. You know, it's like just the way you shuffled, you know, suddenly like, you know, two out of your three copies of something you really need are gone. And you're like, well, I guess that's just that, you know, like it's it's kind of a mill is is has been in card games since the very beginning of course i mean the name mill itself comes from one of the earliest iterations in magic the gathering right but it's uh i've never really enjoyed it as a mechanic because i feel like it's it's just a feels bad mechanic right there's not really any response you can have to it you're just like well those cards are gone now um and <clears throat> if it's a mill deck if it's meant to just only do that then every turn you're just like well i just hope i don't discard the thing i really need and so either you don't and you win and you're like, well, we still didn't really get to play because we weren't really interacting on board. Or you do and you're like, well, I just lost because you just got rid of the card, you know? So it doesn't feel like you get to play a, a complete game when you're you're in a mill situation. So I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not upset with a couple cards of it existing in the game, but I don't want to see like heavy mill become a thing in like any game. So that includes this one. To answer the question... Yes, it's absolutely going to be a viable strategy. And Flake already touched on the main reason why. So not even counting the starting cards in your hand, mm -hmm. 50 card deck, two cards per turn. That's a 25 turn clock, which sounds like a lot. And it is a lot, but it's also kind of not if you're purposefully trying to drag the game out. Right. So, you know, I, I've said a few times here, and so it's just coincidental. This was the bad feeling mailbag choice, but. Uh, if I'm looking at a double vigilance control deck and then I just have to decide between heroism and villainy, uh, the main reason that I was leaning heroism up until these more recent reveals was because I was going to try to make it be mill as the secondary win condition. I think you still in this game want to go into it with the plan to win through damage. But if things get out of control, it becomes your alternate win con. So specifically right now with the cards revealed, uh, if you're running three copies of Vigilance, the card, which does have the, the mill baked in as one of the four choices, as well as Kane and Jairus, who, again, makes them discard cards from the top of their deck. And it's for the restore effect, right, to keep you alive. But if you're already running those and then you're running Double Vigilance Heroism, where, again, you've got Yodas, you've got Lukes, you've got Obi-Wans, you've got all these ways that you can restore health stall things out, kill things, you're playing takedowns, the Luke's uh, lightsaber, Jedi lightsaber, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I think you can control the board, win the old-fashioned way, or if worse comes to worse, you could probably draw it out, but the presence of Kanan and Vigilance, it becomes your secondary win con. Um, so I think it's a viable strategy. I don't think we'll see an abundance of it because of all the reasons Doa said, especially in set one, because right now we have not seen many get cards back from your discard pile mm. later on as we get more of those effects then it might be more of a, a you know back and forth tug of war sort of thing but yeah i think it's a a definitely a viable strategy just because of the nature of the game mechanics and i think you only need a couple of cards but canaan and vigilance are good enough and they're in the aspects you would want to drag the game out in already I'll say this. There's a difference between mill and fatigue, but I think that the object, the, the end game state is the same, which is your opponent has no cards. I think that if there was enough mill in set one, it will turn people off of the game, and it's a risky endeavor to incorporate mill as a tier one strategy in the early game. 
Fatigue, however, and the difference between mill and fatigue is fatigue is basically you're just waiting your opponent out. You're not actively discarding mm -hmm. cards. You're just waiting them and grinding them out of their threats. That, I think, is more viable than standard mill, but the outcome is the same. They're going to run out of cards, and you're going to win. Bingo, bango. All right. There you go. Are we good? I'm good. We'll get to those ideologies at some point. Okay. There's so many good good cards to talk about this week, though. I don't feel like we yeah. I don't feel like we had half an episode or anything. If anything, we had no. longer than usual. But no, we had we a lot did. of good yeah. conversation, a lot yeah. of good cards. And once again, we cut, we, we came in with the objective of we're going to cruise through these, right? Yes, perfect, great. No, we did. Nah. That said, too much to talk about. Yeah. That said, it is exciting. Uh, we will get to that episode before March, guaranteed. <laughs> uh, Friends, thank you so much again for uh, contributing to the Bad Feeling Mailbag. You can do so by emailing wamparadiopodcast at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter, at WatchFlake. You've got at GGDOA and at that charm 3 r and at Wampa Radio. We want to hear from you. So send us your questions, your comments, your topic suggestions, and all that jam. And again, a final plea. You guys have been exceptional. We have so many five-star ratings on uh, the podcast platforms and such. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and all that jam. It really goes miles for us. It costs you nothing, and I promise you that 30 seconds you're going to take to do so really, really, really helps us. So thank you so much again for that. Friends, are we done? I think we're done. Fire it up. It's been a while. Uh, we tried to get uh, Doa to do it. He did not. He just gave I us did. his... Well, you gave us your voice, which is fine. It's a good voice. I don't have a voice changing thing on this computer. You could have tried to do a, a, a you know, a robot yeah. voice. Battle droids are a little bit tougher to... All right. Do. Are you, are you ready, that. Charmer? Are you locked and loaded? All right, friends, here it is. Uh, you've waited for this for two weeks. Friends, thank you for listening to Wampa Radio. May the force be with you.